0: Hello, and welcome back to the AI Insiders podcast, the flagship podcast of superheroes. Which superheroes? Why, you, of course. I'll unpack that as we go through the podcast, because it's what we think AI could do for us if we get it right. It could help us all become superheroes in our own way, and boy, do we need superheroes. Hi, I'm Adam Russell. I'm the director of the AI division at USC's, that's the University of Southern California's ISI, or Information Sciences Institute, and I'm your host for the AI Insiders where if you don't know by now we talk to the humans and the humans in particular helping to build the tools we're going to need to realize our own superhero-ness and these are the folks who to me are kind of already superheroes in their own way Uh, because as you'll certainly understand with today's guest these talented folks could probably be doing anything instead they're here at ISI working in the trenches to help us build superheroes fast enough to solve our biggest problems and if you will get our problem to superhero ratio I think you'll agree that we sure could use some more superheroes of all backgrounds, experiences, perspectives, and importantly, even superheroes realize that they do better when they team up to complement each other. So on this podcast, I'm starting from the hypothesis, a key to understanding how AI might evolve to help us better team up and do more super good. We need to understand more about the humans behind the AI, the ones helping to create the future in which we can all better realize our own ability to help solve those problems and join team human. So I'm fortunate today to have the chance to talk to one up-and-coming superhero, Julie Jang, who is normally a mild-mannered fifth-year PhD candidate in computer science at the University of Southern California, ISI. Uh, But for those who work with her, well, we know better. And Julie was recently unmasked, as it were, as a superhero by Forbes, who added her to their 2024 Forbes 30 Under 30 list. Science, I'm sure you saw that coming. Julie, I want to start with that. But now that your secret identity is not so secret... Uh, welcome to AI Insiders, Julie.
1: Thank you, Adam. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So I'll start with, uh, you know, I promised you some random questions and I'll start with one truly random question. I'd like to start with uh, go back in time and talk to 10-year-old Julie and explain to 10-year-old Julie what you're doing today.
1: I think I would have a really hard time explaining to myself because I just didn't know that this was a thing. Social media wasn't a thing when I was a 10-year-old. I I really don't know. (laughs) I think... It would be hard for me to understand that, one, I would even be getting a PhD, and two, I would work on social media and human behavior mining. So I would just tell her that, you know, the world is your oyster. You might do something completely that you completely never imagined, and it'll be okay.
0: Okay. Uh, let me push you out a little bit on that. And 10-year-old Julie's like, well, okay, you're telling me the world has changed dramatically. There are these things I don't know exist yet. Mm-hmm. So we don't see it coming but you see, you're here now you're working on these why are we working on this what's important about it and what do you bring to to the table in that space
1: I mean I think in the last decade social media have truly changed all of our lives and it's almost um I like to say inescapable even if you mm-hmm. don't like social media your friends are on it, your your family is on it, someone mm-hmm. you know is on it, and you can be you know completely off the grid, but it doesn't mean that the world is not. So understanding how people behave on social media is basically crucial for any social science. It also offers us an opportunity to really study human behavior at a large scale, um, which is something that we couldn't do back when social media didn't exist.
0: Yeah, no, someone once described... Um... Yeah, the, the appearance of social media is, is trying to describe to someone uh, in the past century like that we're all living essentially in, in new water, right? Trying to tell the fish how the water have changed. It's virtually impossible because we do live in this water around us, right? The social media thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if there were another sort of person who wants to become a superhero, as it were, and they're thinking about getting this line of work, they're interested in AI, they want to get into the space. Given that you didn't see this coming five years ago, what what advice would you have for them?
1: If you're in college, take as many classes as you can in like whatever subject that interests you. If you're no longer in college, you can still take classes, um, you know, educate yourself, books, YouTube, boot camps, talk to people, whatever interests you. It could be AI. It doesn't have to be AI. Um, I think it's never too late to pivot and change your passion. I know plenty of people who are doing that have done that. Uh, Don't let anything bottleneck you like you you don't have to do just one thing that you always thought you were going to do you can try other opportunities uh I think I need that advice for myself right now because I I'm kind of in a situation where there is a path that I know that I could do very well but um I could also pivot and do other things I'm not sure what
0: yeah you you you're kind of cursed in a way because you could go in lots of different ways uh <laughs> yeah. and so you have you have to think hard about that but but that's a great point I mean remaining sort of open minded to what the what the future may bring I think is is yeah that's that's solid advice um do you remember how you discovered AI that's got to be a good origin story as a superhero. How did you discover AI
1: That's a good story so I went to uh, university college at Tufts. It's it's small enough that they could offer all the varieties of majors to anyone who wants it. And so what happened was my freshman year, the most popular class that everyone took was Comp 11, Intro to Computer Science. Mm. And I had no idea what computer science is, absolutely none. But because everyone was taking it and it was quite a difficult course, so everyone was talking about it. I thought, okay, I need to give this a try. It's so cool. Everyone's doing it. So the next semester, second semester of my freshman year, I took it and I immediately fell in love with computer science. And I liked it so much that that summer I self-taught, I took like online courses on computer science. By sophomore year, I decided that I was going to be a computer science major. And it turns out I was pretty good at it too. But then that's still like not not AI, that's just computer science. Mm -hmm. AI came into my my potential career objective when, again, I was taking online courses. And there was this really fun Berkeley or Stanford class on intro to AI, and they made you code Pac-Man algorithms. And I just did that for a summer. It was so fun. I'm really nerding out here. But that was when I realized that, okay, I like this AI thing. It kind of combines math and computer science and there's a little bit of you know human behavior involved because the Paul pacman thing was reinforcement learning which mm. we don't know what that means it's like trying to award a, a artificial agent to do things um, so that they would act like a human almost and at the time our ai computer science all of that was really booming so i thought like the best chance that i could to get into the field of AI is probably through a uh, advanced degree, like a master's or PhD. And so then I tried to figure out how to get that. And I realized that, okay, maybe I need some research experiences. So I literally cold emailed every professor at Tufts that was doing research. And I just Mm. begged them to take me in and do research with me. I was horrible at research, but I tried. I really tried. (laughs) and that was enough to get me into this phd program and kickstart whatever i was doing now so it was a, it was a matter of um it was a combination of many many factors there was a the luck part there was the me trying to learn something that i never had known before and it was trying to figure out how to get to my objective
0: almost like an ai trying to uh, to learn a strategy on how to get where they need to go right <laughs> Interesting. What? Uh, just curiously, what? I mean, you fell in love with computer science. What was it about computer science? Do you think
1: that hooked you right away? It's extremely logical. I think we've all encountered that. If you've ever done, if you ever coded something, mm-hmm. and you're like um, frustrated because there's a bug that you don't understand, when you debug it, you will realize that the computer was super logical and you weren't. Um, Interesting.
0: Yeah, and
1: that's the thing that I find fascinating, and maybe that's why I kind of like human behavior in a sense, because while computers are super logical, humans aren't. But then AI has this und- indeterminism or undeterministic component component that adds a little bit of variability in addition to everything that's super deterministic and super logical and binary.
0: What do your uh well, I mean, friends and family? What do they think about your work in AI?
1: My family don't understand how I could get a PhD on what I do and what I do. <laughs> really? They I talk I tell them like for example, I work on political polarization, I work on online hate speech, and they're like, "Isn't that obvious? You need a you need a PhD to to prove that?" <laughs> but I think that's exactly the point. Like there's a lot of anecdotal things that we believe yeah. are true, but my job is to actually empirically quantify that and really highlight the extent of their impact on our lives. So my mom's really proud of me, but she doesn't understand why I could possibly get a PhD in this.
0: That is not uncommon, as you know, I found that when you talk about your work in computer science, very few people would offer their opinions about how that should be done. Right. If they're not working computer science, they acknowledge like, well done exactly the opposite in social science. And because they are people they believe that therefore their observations are necessarily scientific in some way. Uh, that's yeah. That can be really hard, right? <laughs> You're know, like, I know it looks that way, but it's, that's actually, you know, the, the evidence doesn't bear that out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, keep up the good work in that regard. Uh, if there's one person, dead or alive, that you haven't been able to talk to yet, but you would want to talk to, you could have dinner with them or whatever, who would, who would that person be and why?
1: Trevor Noah.
0: Well, that was fast. I mean, you want to think about it? Could
1: no, you have? i i have thought about this because you're not the first person who asked me so i have an answer ready uh, i have a, a list of candidates that you know it was a short list but i think i picked trevor noah because he is not in academia i think trevor noah is just so different from every other person that i've interacted with i mean you probably know about him like great talk show host Interesting childhood, to say the least, uh, and he has a lot of really good opinions about current events. So, I would love to talk to Trevor Noah.
0: Okay, uh, so let's get Trevor Noah on the uh, podcast, so we can invite Julie back to uh, to have that conversation. Uh, easy S- said and done. Uh, what, uh, with your experience in this space, what do you think is the most misunderstood concept about AI?
1: That they could be sentient. Because AI is a bunch of numbers. They they obey algorithms. They might seem um, that they have a mind of their own, but everything is very computational. They're, I mean, th- you might not understand how it works, but there is a black box model that they follow. So by definition, they can't develop sentient feelings or have a motivation agenda of their own that's not pre-programmed.
0: Interesting. Do you think they ever could be?
1: Um, I'm not, I would never say never. I'm just saying that the current way that we're making AIs based on machine learning algorithms, optimization algorithms, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I don't think they can be truly sentient. I don't think they will have feelings. I don't think they will try to bring down humanity so they can, they could live, but it's a very cool concept. And I, and it's important to address the uh, potential repercussions of what, what will happen if that does happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is true that there's this weird polarization, I think, between people who are concerned about existential risk and then other people who are focused much more on the near-term risk, things like Mm -hmm. fairness and bias. And and both of those are, are, I think, important. Um, You don't worry about killer robots. What do you worry about most with AI right now?
1: For one thing, we have to talk about what ChatGPT is doing. There's many, many great things that they are doing to us, but also the risks of misinformation is higher. Um, it's completely redefining what jobs people can get. I think for for kids, maybe myself included, who are in their 20s, maybe teenage years, you have no idea what you can possibly do in the future because you don't know what jobs are going to be replaced or changed by AI. So it's right. a very difficult, challenging time to try to pick what you want to do and mm-hmm. it's like not not like my my parents or my grandparents era where you just do what everyone else is doing get a job get a degree and then get mm-hmm. a job and you'll be fine so yeah. very difficult uh very, very challenging outlooks um if you try to predict what's going to happen in a couple of years and and technology is just everywhere like i can i can walk and in, walk onto a plane with facial scans now they don't even check my boarding pass i yeah. have no idea what that would do what the risks of that are maybe they're biased maybe they're not oh but i am really excited about self-driving cars though i really want that yeah
0: that that, that <laughs> would be not, i'm with you yeah especially um having been in washington dc during a snowstorm like there's no way self-driving cars could do this worse uh <laughs> those are those are those are things to worry about certainly um it it feels like the technology is accelerating so quickly that it's almost like we don't have time, right? To get mm-hmm. our hands around these things. Um, how are how are you tackling that? Since you don't know. I mean, there, there's some estimates that, you know, 50 to 60 percent of the jobs that exist today won't be here in, mm-hmm. in 10 years. Doesn't mean there won't be others, right? But so how, how are you thinking about that? Just sort of play it as you go.
1: Yeah, I even myself, I feel like there's too much information out there, There's too much research. I can right. never keep up. Um and so I don't I have no idea how a normal person who is not already well versed in, you know, machine learning research, AI could possibly follow what's going on. So that is a great question. And I was like listening to an open AI podcast interview by Trevor Noah. <laughs> and that's my competition. Oh man, we're <laughs> toast. Okay. And I really liked what Sam Altman said about the CEO of OpenAI. He said that they're trying to slow down how the pace of them releasing new AI products because they know it would be a a huge adjustment period for everyone, for society, to really understand how this new AI technology is going to integrate with their lives. So I really appreciate that uh, they're doing that, and I hope that whoever's pushing out the state-of-the-art, the latest AI product, have that awareness that if this product is really as good as you think it is, what are the repercussions? How mm-hmm. can we mitigate misuse? How can we integrate this new product with people easily, effectively, without yeah. risks?
0: Yeah. I call, I call that uh, AI in the wild. And my sense is we're not thinking about that enough. Um, what do you What do you think has been the most counterintuitive thing about ai that you've discovered like where has it surprised you
1: AI is really dumb mm. i don't think i don't think people realize how dumb it is sometimes i mean even chat gbt has have ep- epic fails that uh you know people have uh documented um self-driving cars are not perfect not yet Facial recognition is not perfect, so AI do make mistakes a lot of the times, and there's a lot of people trying to figure out why AI makes those mistakes, and it's mostly just theories because the black box of AI means that we can't really unpack what's going on inside.
0: Um, one argument is, of course, humans aren't perfect either. So why no. why do we why do we hold these systems to a higher standard than we than we do ourselves?
1: That's a great point, but I think that's the. That's a whole reason we want to design a perfect AI is to replace some of the things, some of the human errors. Like, say for example, we can uh, design an AI that's perfect at flying airplanes, no human errors, um, or an AI that's perfect at open heart surgery. Why will we not have that?
0: Mm. That's interesting to to complement our weaknesses, as it were. Exactly. Yeah, Uh, that 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 makes sense to me, Um, and I and I like the fact that you're thinking instantly about not human or AI, but Human and AI.
1: Oh, absolutely. We're living with AIs already.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Okay. Uh, Lightning round quickly because we're running out of time. Just a couple of quick questions. Um, Would you rather AI act as your advisor on relationships or manage your finances?
1: Manage my finances. Definitely. I'm really bad at that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: If there were an AI Olympics, which sport? Would you want your so far yet to be named AI system to meddle in
1: figure skating? I just, okay. I just it's just because I like figure skating. <laughs> There's not much thought that went to it.
0: But I I can <laughs> weirdly I can instantly see an AI out there We're like on like <laughs> of glory. Um, do you do you have a favorite uh, science fiction movie or or novel about AI?
1: Ooh, no, I I have a lot of sci-fi um books and movies that I like, but they don't have to do with AI.
0: What's your favorite sci-fi book? Noting that that you know it shouldn't just be one, but what is a favorite science fiction book?
1: Um, I my two favorite science fiction books are by the same author, Blake Crouch. One is called Dark Matter. It's about a uh, parallel, uh, parallel multiverses, and the mm-hmm. other one is called Recursion. That's about time travel. Interesting. Um, and they're like I think they're fascinating. I love them. And my favorite sci-fi movie, I guess if you can count Inception as sci-fi, that would be mm-hmm. my favorite, oh, favorite sci-fi movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I hope, I, yeah, certainly I uh, hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have it is it's one of the great privileges of being in this position that I get a chance to talk to folks like you. Well, you know, we have a, a model here that I talk about uh, building competence, building character connections and contributions um, and clearly competence and character. And even now increasingly contributions, all yours. I hope you will remain connected with us at ISI as you go out into the world. Um, and that we can be on your superhero team in the future.
1: Definitely. Thank you, Adam.
0: Folks, if you enjoy these short podcasts, please do the thing. Like us, star us, share us, subscribe to us, uh, keep listening to us, uh, because I am excited about all the superheroes that we'll be talking to in the near future. And join us, please, again for another episode of AI Insiders, where we will continue to navigate our way through this weird, weird world, trying to do what humans do best when they face these kinds of challenges. Working together as if all our lives depend on each other, because they do. So for now, for the future, fight on.